everybody, it's Jasmine. Welcome back to Speak Century. I've got Brian here. He'll be talking about some very interesting stories. Uh, but before we get to that, this is actually our second time recording because uh, the first episode just did not get recorded. So thank you so much, Brian, for coming on the show a second time to talk about your stories once more with me for everyone to listen out there. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm more than happy to be here. Thank you. So today we're going to be talking about some experiences that you've had with sleep paralysis, uh, aliens, UFOs, and cryptids. So I'm so excited to dive into that with you. And I, uh, when you're ready, go right ahead. Okay, sure. Um, I just did something that they always taught us in speech class never to do. I got a cough drop, so uh, I hope that I can speak and enunciate clearly. <laughs> That's okay. <clears throat> but it, it's either that or cough a whole lot. So I, I think a little poor enunciation might be worth it. Totally. Go for it. <clears throat> and then again. Um, okay. So um, sleep paralysis for me, I, I'm not even sure whether it's sleep paralysis in the classic sense. Um, you know, of course, we've talked before, so now I feel like um, I have to be careful not to make, uh, not to assume anything, but I know from your stories about sleep paralysis, my experience has been different. I don't know. I, I'm certainly not going to say that there's only one way you can have this happen. There's only one type or that, you know, because uh, we're all individuals. We all have different energies. We're all at different places in our life and our growth. Um, and things are just going to happen differently. I, I, I get really frustrated with certain folks who demand that everything fit into their tiny box. Absolutely. You know, I <clears throat> posed the question um, a while ago, is our energy too big for our bodies? You know, um, the energy that we have, is, is that why we see so much mental illness nowadays? Uh, you know, things like that. It's very questionable uh, and you just really want to know the answer to it. Well, that's an interesting question. Um... My first gut act, gut reaction, though, to, to a lot of that is uh, the food we eat and and the chemicals we ingest. Um, but then again, you know, that's e that's another easy way to go. It could be really complex. I don't know if you ever happened to see the Russian video uh, where they caught souls leaving bodies as people died. No. Yeah, this was uh, actually old KGB film, <clears throat> and it came out in the 90s after the Soviet Union collapsed. We got a lot of great stuff in the 90s right after that happened. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> but the KGB did lots of esoteric studies, and they had this fellow. He, he was basically, he was actively dying. They were videoing it, and he was on a scale. 
And at the moment of death, you see what looks like plasma come out of his body and shoot away. Wow. And they measured that his body actually got lighter. I don't remember how much it was very little, but his body lightened a little at death. So that tells me that our soul, our consciousness, whatever that energy is, it has density too. Absolutely. So, and then you're talking about, is it getting too big for our bodies? And I'm thinking, huh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe there's something to that <coughs> worth exploring. Mm -hmm. um, when we ghost hunt, a lot of times we catch plasma rods and plasma energy plasma balls that, that look a lot like what I saw in that video. We'll have to look that up. See if you can find it on YouTube. Okay. I'm going to definitely There's, check it out and link it for everybody to uh, get to speedy access. There's a, there's a very old sort of documentary. Um, Roger Moore was the host. It was done in the nineties. I think it was called KGB files. So it's probably out there in the ether as well. Uh, a lot of these things could be a little cheesy at times, but that video was uh, part of it, as well as uh, other interesting things that were going on in that part of the world. You know, when it was the Soviet Union, we never knew. You know, it was literally like an iron curtain between us. <clears throat> so they were doing some fascinating things, um, just like we were and Project Stargate. Um, there was a, an experience that I had once. Um, the wife and I both work in social services. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've both dedicated ourselves to try to help other people all our lives. That's awesome. <coughs> um. Mm. There were two boys we had both worked with. Um, we adored them. And honestly, we probably would have adopted them had family members not come forward. Mm. But uh, these two boys, their older brother came along, stole a car and uh, ran away. And we were worried to death. We were worried sick trying to find them. And um, that day, it was in the spring because I know I had encountered a lot of raw energy in the air. Uh, sometimes when, when the energy around me is so strong, um, I just, I tingle all over, just like I was getting an electric shock, but mild, you know, I just kind of go numb. And I'd run, in, run into a lot that day. And uh, I, I might add for humor or whatever that both my parents have also been struck by lightning and lived. Wow. I think, I'm, I, think I come from a family of lightning rods. So, <laughs> wow. so when it storms, I try not to go out much. <clears throat> but uh, I was uh, really worried. And I thought, well, maybe... Maybe I could stretch out with my senses and find them. And uh, I scared myself to death. This is the only time I ever did it because I was afraid that 
trying to do what I did without knowing what I was doing, I might really mess myself up. Absolutely. But I, I was really concerned and I was really trying hard to just quiet my mind and reach out and find those boys. And uh, I, I did, but it was like where I landed, so to speak, was face down in a mattress with no sheet on it. And I sort of zoomed out. It was like, that was a shock. And I started backing away. Wow. And so was this an astral projection experience? I honestly don't know whether it was that or, or more like remote viewing, mm-hmm. but because I, I've never, I've never tried again. Like I said, I, you know, I, I tell you the truth. I'm really not afraid of a lot of things, but the idea of leaving my body and not being able to get back scares me. Um, so maybe someday, Maybe I'll learn. Maybe I'll practice. We'll, we'll see. But as I, as I came back <coughs> and backed away, I backed right out a window, right through the wall. I could see the house. I could see the vehicle. And at that point, I just snapped back. And I was me again. And uh, so the state police got him. But it, it was startling, to say the least. I know, I um, was startled. Yeah, yeah. I, I never dreamed. I, I had read about Project Stargate, but remote viewing is very different. The way they describe it, it works very differently. But um, that was just, I didn't feel anything. It's not like I was solid. But I could see clearly, you know, as if I was there. Wow. You know, I'd be very interested to know if any remote viewers are listening to the show. Please come on the show. I'd be so interested to know what you've been able to remote view and maybe we could do a remote viewing on the show. That would be great. I would love (laughs) to hear those stories. I know. I'm in the same with you. I'd love to hear some of those stories. Uh, have you ever listened to Russell Targ? Uh, he's been on Coast to Coast Radio, I know, a time or two. I, I don't listen. I, I don't listen to Coast as much as I used to. Um, nothing against George Norrie. I think he does a great job. I sure miss Art Bell. Art was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but Russell Targ has written a book. Oh, I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, the Limitless Mind, I think. And he was working with the government in into ESP and psychic phenomena back then. And he continues to do that on a, an academic level. Um, and there is a there is a, an app that he has. Um, hang on, I'll tell you the name of it. Oh, well, that was easy. It's just called ESP Trainer. And it's amazing. It actually hones your ESP. Mm-hmm. The, the more you use it, the better it gets. Interesting. 
Um, and all it does is it shows you four boxes. Each box is a different color. You select a box. If you've picked the right box, it has a picture behind it. Picture goes away, you know, and then you have to select the right box each time. And the more you get it right, you know, it tells you um, good start, ESP ability, useful in Las Vegas, you know, Absolutely. things like that. <clears throat> but what I've found is in playing with it, that not doing it regularly, I reset really quickly. If I sit and use it, it gets better. And if I don't, it gets worse or, or weakens or something. I don't know. I think it's like a muscle, you know, the more you use it, the stronger it is. And I'm so sorry if I'm going on tangents. No, that's fine. Uh, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> Keep telling us about this because it's, it's very informative and it's interesting. Uh, and it'll lead us into your UFO experience along with the paranormal uh, yeah, yeah I, well, you know, it's all fascinating and it's all out there and it's all real and it's all happening to so many people. And I, I just, I want everybody to start talking about it so that we can all begin to put the puzzle pieces together. Right. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> so, so that experience, you know, that out of the way, um, as far as sleep paralysis goes, when I have experienced sleep paralysis, it's usually in conjunction with some sort of visitation from one or more entities. Um, and when I wake, I am momentarily frozen, but my mind fights its way to alertness and uh, it is very hard. It's a very hard thing to do. It's like I almost feel like I'm trying to, to drag myself out of something thick and heavy and, mm -hmm. yep. you know, hard to, hard to get through. Um, but <clears throat> each time, you know, it's like I will see a pattern of lights on the wall in front of me. Um, one, one was absolutely beautiful and it gave me the impression of a tunnel that was closing in on itself like a spiral. Uh, the, the, the sight of a huge bright light outside the window that looks like the moon's right out front. Um, the two individuals at the foot of my bed that was, uh, I'm not scared when these happen, mm -hmm. typically. Uh, I'm more curious. I've never had a feeling like I was in danger. And I, I really, I do have an insatiable curiosity. I mean, you know, I'm a guy who uh, has been 30 foot from Bigfoot. And not and managed not to wet myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you see these figures, you know, in front of you, and it's dark, and you're awake, and you're struggling just to be able to move, to start to to get your body to function. And I'm watching this little figure, and he's maybe you know, 
four, four and a half feet tall at, at yeah. the most. He's, he's got a great big head, the bulbous head that, you know, you, you come to expect from the grays and, and some others, I suppose. I don't know yeah. how many races are out there. Yeah. Can you give uh, us and, more details about what the uh, two little things look like? Well, one was little, but the other was tall. Wow. The little ones seem to be passing information to the tall one. The tall one seemed to be in charge. Um, it was dark. So, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of ambient light to go by. Uh, the tall one was probably closer to my height, you know, in the, in the six foot range. So very tall for, you know, what you hear people talk about aliens. They talk about the little guys. Um, when people talk about abductions, it's usually the little grays that they talk about. Um, but they, they were there and they looked absolutely solid. And the, as the little one was passing information to the bigger one, and no, I could not hear anything, but I knew that's what was going on. Mm -hmm. the, the, the tall one nodded its head two or three times. It, it had a, some sort of cloak with a high collar. So it was covered. I couldn't really see a body. I couldn't see whether, you know, it was clothed or anything. Um, but I could tell it, its head was very large, very wide. And as it nodded, and as I came more to consciousness and more to, to, to being able to move, about the time I was able to sit up, they vanished. So, you know, then you ask yourself, was that real? Mm -hmm. You know, what just happened? Uh, were they there? Were I was I remembering them from another place, another time? Because... <sighs> Nothing about that said hallucination to me. Nothing about that said dream. Um, it's just. I'm sure it happened. It, it's just confusing because it doesn't fit into the box that we're trained, you know, and taught from childhood. This is reality and, this, and there, anything outside this is fancy, you know. Yeah. And did you but notice like anything. Um, <coughs> Of, with them like strange symbols or markings no but there are things that recur that uh yeah i should have drawn those and sent them to you i i didn't oh, yeah, think about that um but there are recurring things that come to mind especially one that i do not i don't understand but it it comes not only in dreams but uh when i meditate if i go to contact my my higher self my spirit guide um we always meet in a circle there's always a fire in the middle there are four pillars and four stones in a stone in front of each pillar and each pillar has uh a symbol on it and, and this, this same symbol that it appears in dreams, uh, it, it just shows up everywhere. It looks like three eyes or three ones, just straight, long. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah. Usually threes, often in a circle. Sometimes I'll see it on a ring I'm wearing. Sometimes uh, it's on a wall. I remember once 
there was a room and I was supposed to be speaking and that symbol was on the back of the wall uh, in a large circle and there was a podium and there were three lights, shafts of light coming out of the ceiling. So he says three, 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 three repeats. The podium even had the, the three sections. Three, three, three. Wow. Um, that can be some form of symbolism. Yeah, it means something. You, you can tell when something is significant. Uh, it stands out, it repeats, and it has a meaning to you that's deep, even if you can't retrieve that information. It's deep and it's real. And, and that's the way that is. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but um, the, the wildest experience along these same lines was... Uh, the night that I woke to the loud buzzing in my ear, mm, yep. that horrible, wretched alarm clock sound, the one that you want to grab and throw out the nearest window. And uh, it, it was hard. It was hard to, to get up to function. And by the time I sat up and started looking for that clock to turn off that noise, I realized that I didn't have an alarm clock because I used my phone for a clock and I had stopped using the old alarm clock. Uh, and then the, the buzzing slowly started to fade. And as that faded, I looked ahead of me and down the hall on the wall were gray boxes covered at each box had a large pink symbol on it in some kind of letters or writing or symbology that I'm not familiar with. Uh, a little bit runic, but not really runic. Um, I hesitate to call it, I, I hesitate to call it Enochian because it doesn't quite look like that. And that's the scary one. And I don't want to think that it was. <laughs> um, but this was on the wall. And at the end of that was a being, couldn't have been more than five feet tall, did not have the big bulbous head. Um, again, not a whole lot of light. I couldn't make out distinct features. For whatever reason, I had the impression it was female. It lifted its arm and kind of beckoned for me, you know, come with me. And uh, I was in no way prepared to do that at that time. Mm -hmm. I, I was still fighting my way out of that paralysis state. I mean, I was setting up, but it was still very difficult to function. And uh, that was just kind of scary. Again, here I am getting scared again. Once I said I didn't get scared. I, <laughs> yeah. We all get um, a little scared. Well, when you're confronted with something so out, of the realm of your understanding uh it, it makes you pause but i i just laid down pulled the covers over and said nope uh don't know who you are we can deal with this another day and i haven't had that happen again at least you know i don't have any recollection of it <clears throat> but you know there have been times i will wake up 
broad daylight and I'll see rows of numbers passing before my eyes, gold or black letter or gold or black numbers usually running in columns. There are usually six columns and it's a constant up and down, up and down. They never stop, mm-hmm. always moving. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've had, I've had uh, other things happen. Um, I remember one night a, a light woke me and there was a bright, and I mean bright, pulsating green and yellow orb in the bathroom off to my right. Um, there are these two huge wall mirrors there over the old tub. There's a big tub there. And it was pulsating in front of those mirrors and the light was everywhere. Uh, and I just stared at it a bit and it just sort of popped out of existence. Sometimes I see black, dark things move, you know, um, I've seen golden orbs and that's here at the house. And I think that has to do with the strange energy levels on this property. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I remember we talked about energy levels uh, and I think that high energy levels can really do some weird things. And the orbs photo that you sent me, I'll be yeah. posting that on the website for everyone to see. That's just so many of them in one photo. Yeah, that was a very old graveyard. Uh, late at night, of course. Um, I, I find that in places where the energy is higher, you get lots more orbs, you get lots more spirit activity. Um, I, I don't know where the energy comes from. Um, I'm just, though, you know... Having talked to you and someone else, I began thinking about that. And uh, I've always been fascinated by Nikola Tesla. Um, The Earth is basically a giant magnet. And energy is constantly passing through the planet, through us, through everything. Because everything's energy. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think there have to be certain spots where it is more intense. Ley lines, maybe. Uh, the Chinese called them dragon lines. Um, in China, only emperors were allowed to be buried on dragon lines. Um, here, ley lines seem to go from important place to important place. You know, um, holy places, places mm-hmm. of spiritual significance. Gotcha. <clears throat> there, there's something to it. Um, I'm more and more convinced that we are not the most advanced that we've ever been on this planet. And we're really arrogant people thinking that we know so much more than, than our ancestors did. And I agree. We went through a dark age. There's no doubt about that, but there's no way ignorant people built the megalithic structures that exist on this planet and put them on ley lines without knowing something, right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think uh, the Egyptians uh, in the golden era, is that it? I think that's it. Or the bronze era. uh, They were onto something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
modern archaeologists drive me crazy. Um, well, I'm going to get off on another tangent, so I probably better <laughs> stop. <clears throat> but yeah, I could talk about Egypt for a while. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think that the energy in this place contributes to orbs and rods. I think I sent you a picture. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't, of a rod that was out here in the yard. Um, kind of looked like a French fry. I believe so. I, honestly, I, I, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, it reminded me of a big long French fry, but it was enough to catch the camera and get the camera to, uh, to go off. I, every now and then, I, I told you, I think last week, that I quit trying to catch pictures of Bigfoot because, well, Bigfoot considered it rude. And absolutely refuses to go in front of a camera. <laughs> but I, I set my camera up uh, on the porch, pointed in, in one direction, just so I could keep an eye on my shed. And if, if anybody fools around with my shed, tries to steal my lawnmower or some such, which is highly unlikely. But I live in the middle of nowhere. You know? Yeah. And, and that's what makes you more prone to these experiences experiences i feel being in uh, an area that's not as populated at well as densely populated uh you, you know having mm. a lot of open land horse oh yeah like bigfoot oh yeah i mean you know west virginia is uh a tiny state in many respects but um i mean we only have what one 1.4, 1.5 million people in the whole state. I forget how many square miles, 35,000 square miles or something. Uh, but it's mostly mountain and it's incredibly rugged. And it's really hard to, to build anything here unless it's along a river or a tributary that has some flat land. So it's all forest. We're, we're probably 75% hardwood forest. Wow. Yeah, you add to that it rivers and streams, and uh, this is nature's paradise. <clears throat> and I think also even UFOs, heck of a place to hide. Absolutely, which brings me to the discussion of the UFOs and the ones that you've seen on your land. And you've mm. also sent me some pictures of some UFOs. Yeah. Yeah, um, ninety-nine percent of the time, I can feel them when they're near. Uh, so I, I can sort of guide my camera. I can flip it on and turn up my phone and point and shoot. And I always try to uh, always try to turn the magnification up because they're so high, and oftentimes they're so fast. You know, like if you take a photo burst, for instance. Uh, you might catch them in one or two frames or catch them in every other, every third or fourth frame. Because um, they're usually just zipping right along. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are those odd occasions where they don't, where they hover, where they stop. Uh, one morning, uh, taking my daughter to school 
and it was a, a dark sort of morning and a bright light started flying overhead and it was moving pretty fast. And I said, look, look, honey, it's, it's the space station. And she looked up and we watched and then it came to a stop. <laughs> wow. And she was like, dad, does the space station stop? I was like, no, <laughs> no, honey, that's, that's actually not the space station. <coughs> wow. Sometimes they do things like that. Uh, or the Tic Tac uh, picture that I sent you. Um, I looked up and it slowed down and stopped like it was looking back at me, or giving me a chance to take a picture. I don't know what, what that was about. Might not have had anything to do with me. And do you think that some of your um, sleep paralysis experiences with the brave sort of bobblehead uh, beings may have something to do with the UFOs that you see and that sort of uh, connection of uh, sort of almost knowing that they're above you? Do you think that has something to play altogether? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um... I realized um, I realized when I was young that I was sensitive and that sometimes I knew things before they would happen or uh, you know if a family member died, you know I often know that my mom was the same. I think though that maybe that's why they pick us or Maybe we do that as a result of them picking us. I, I really don't know. Um, I, my mom has never shared anything like that, but my brother, uh, once when I was little, he woke up and uh, he was really kind of startled, stunned, shocked, because uh, he sneezed and blew his nose and these tiny little BBs came out. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I've looked out. And as a kid, I always loved to look at the sky. This is another thing that I should share about West Virginia. Uh, it's dark. <laughs> there aren't people. It's kind of like North Korea at night. There's not a lot of light, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so when you look at the stars, you really see the stars. Um, and, and when I was a kid, very few people had dusk to dawn lights. You know, we didn't have concrete. We didn't have sidewalks. Uh, no street lights. Um, so I like to put my bed up against the window where I could look out at the stars at night. And I woke up one night and I looked up at the stars and there was a boomerang with lights on its wings. <laughs> wow. And it was hovering. And then I looked up and it did this little graceful turn and flew away. Uh, oh, I've seen lots of UFOs since I was a kid uh, onward. Some have been mind-blowing. Um, the only one that I ever wondered whether it was ours, like a U.S. government thing, was the giant black triangle. <clears throat> that one, uh, actually, the wife and I were together when we saw that. Only we weren't married. We were in college and we'd been having a fight and uh, we were we were out driving around and I pulled the car over and I was like, all right, we're, we're going to settle this. 
I couldn't mm-hmm. even tell you what it was now. I mean, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we got out of the car and we, we took a little walk down the street in town where there were actually sidewalks. Um, on the way back to the car, I looked up and there was this black triangle and it was so low. The, the lights from town were reflecting on its surface. Oh, wow. That's creepy. It made not a sound. Couldn't feel anything from it. Um, it was just hovering there. It had a, an orangish light at each corner. There was no light in the center, just at the corners. And it was gigantic. I mean, it was aircraft carrier big. Uh, you know, it's impossible to stand on the ground and look up and accurately say how high something is, but it was high enough and it was huge. The reason I wonder whether it was ours and not alien is because the surface that I could see reflected in the town lights um, reminded me of black tile. It's the same sort of black tile that you, you know, they use on stealth aircraft mm-hmm. uh, or that you might see the heat resistant tile on the bottom of the space shuttle. Um, you know, the, the B-2 bomber, for instance, we don't know all the technology there. They were flying the F-117 in the 70s. They didn't tell us about the B-2 until, what, 1989? Um so, you know, I'm thinking to myself, this is something, this is ours, and this is something yeah, that nobody knows about. Like technology, they're just trying out on a night yeah. in the city. <laughs> yeah. Well, small town West Virginia, you gotcha. know, my gosh, you know, that little town, they roll up the sidewalks by nine o'clock. You got to be at home, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody's out. um but yeah yeah i've seen some things most other things though just mind-boggling uh not just speed but things i can't explain uh my daughter and i were coming home one night this was this was just a few months ago and we saw a bright light in the sky and as we got closer it it almost looked like a flying city um it, it 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 had towers there were tall towers um in the middle and there were at least four others and they were kind of shaped like uh tall slender pyramids and it was lit up um wow now that's interesting right there i wonder if anyone else has seen that i haven't heard anybody and i'm fairly certain if any of the farmers around here saw it they're not going to talk about it <laughs> they're just uh, going to say i'm going to keep my mouth shut <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh don't want to be committed to the loony bin right yeah you know th- th- this is you know we're we're in the buckle of the bible belt and uh, there are a lot of old school folks who absolutely refuse to acknowledge this stuff um and they're just going to tell you it's demons and hey i don't know what it is uh, I don't think it's demons, but I don't know if it's bad or good. But I sure as heck know we seem to be a major 
attraction in the human zoo. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I'm sure that it's going on all over the place, not just here. Uh, they're talking about it finally on the news. And I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that. I don't know if that's good, bad, or neutral. You know, I'm neutral, but I do feel good now that the news or now that NASA is coming out and saying that we're just as confused with uh, these UFO videos, a lot of these UFO videos as you. So they can only explain a few of them. So, you know, that is a little unsettling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're interested, I can point you in the direction of someone someone that I spent a lot of time studying to decide whether I believed or not. Uh, His name is Charles James Hall. He is a very intelligent man. He has a, a master's in nuclear physics, a master's in business administration, and I don't know what other degrees. He'd have a PhD if... He'd sit down and uh, finish his thesis. <coughs> I'd say he's done all the work. He just released uh, a book, too, called, I think it's called Beyond Relativity, explaining where Einstein went wrong. Um, but as a young man, when he joined the Air Force in order to go to college in the 1960s, uh, he tested through the roof in his mathematical ability and they were going to send him into military intelligence. um, But they picked him for a special project and they sent him out to Nellis in Las Vegas. And his job was in Indian Springs Valley. And a lot of people probably don't realize that that's just Southwest of area 51. Um, there's a lot going on in the deserts over so there. It's sort of in its backyard. Yeah. And while he was there, he was picked to help. I'm trying to figure out the best way to articulate this. When you say things like this, people are like, oh, well, now I know he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was, he was handpicked to uh, be a weather observer on the gunnery ranges at Indian Springs where he would encounter tall white aliens. Now, don't confuse them with the Nordic variety. They, they're not, um, but they are chalk white and they're tall. They live a very long time. They're not made as rugged as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they injured and killed a lot of men before he got there. A lot of men panicked, freaked out. Their whole idea and concept of aliens being from 1950s horror movies. Uh, and they couldn't handle, you know, what they were seeing. But Charles was able to deal with it eventually. He, he coped with it in a peaceful way and helped the aliens and the Air Force learn to coexist better. Uh, and he describes what basically is an alien embassy up at the end of that valley. Wow. Yeah. And he talks about the greys too. 
he, he wrote a series of books that he originally wrote. He intended those to be a memoir that he was just going to give his first kids and his grandkids. So they'd know what he did and what he'd lived through. Um, and then his wife said, Hey, we should publish this. So they did, they self-published. Um, but he does speaking tours. He's done a lot of things. There's a documentary about him on, uh, Amazon. If you have Amazon prime, you can watch walking with the tall whites, you know, uh, it, it doesn't go nearly in depth enough. It just grazes over, you know, his life and his experiences. Um, but his books, I had to go through them more than once just to wrap my brain around what was really happening. Oh, I'm very interested. <clears throat> uh, he called the series Millennial Hospitality. Um, and there's five, no, yeah, well, four small books, I think. And then he wrote um, book five, The Greys. And his experiences with the Greys, because it worked out so well with the Whites, the the uh, government wanted to try the Greys, who were over in another area, I think 28 or 29, over near Death Valley. Um, and he had some remarkable observations there. He didn't like the Greys. He didn't feel comfortable with them, didn't trust them. And he had had a good relationship with the others. But when it all came down to it, rather than to stay there, he still chose to go to Vietnam to end his military service. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he's not the greatest writer, okay? It's not great fiction or anything. Uh, he was scared when he published the first two books, so he changed his name. He changed the names of places because he was afraid the government would come after him, but they never did. And so on the preceding books he just used correct names yeah, but really interesting stuff I, I would look mm -hmm. into it I really I looked hard at Charles because I thought he was probably a kook at first but he's far from it yeah I'll definitely I've, check him out yeah I think that tic tac I saw was the tall whites um it looks, it's just like the, the vehicles he described. And I sent him a picture and he said, yeah, that looks like it. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. A conversation with him would probably be legendary. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, check out his website, millennialhospitality.com. Um, I think, I think his wife does the bookings. Um, Marie Therese or Marie. She's, she's a sweetheart. They're they're both in their seventies now, so uh, yeah, try to get try to get in touch with him. Will do. Well, that is if you want to do just a show on aliens. Uh, I, I don't mean to be leading you down a primrose path or anything. <laughs> no problem, and I'm sure everyone else is very uh, interested in this after hearing about it because, uh, you know, not that it's strictly uh, out-of-body astral projection, lucid dreaming. Uh, some of these things could be connected with one another. So the more we explore those uh, sort of paths and do yeah. research on it, uh, can we only find out what it leads to? Well, I, I will 
I'll, I'll make one more confession. Um, another reason I think that that vehicle that stopped for me was the tall whites was, uh, I was trying very hard at that time, meditating and psychically reaching out to them to see, are you there? Are you real? And I think I got a clear message huh. back. Yep. Yeah. Um, all these alien races, or at least most of them, do seem to be very psychic, very telepathic. Uh, we're the ones still primitive and, and using language. Now, Charles said that the tall whites use technology to hear his thoughts and transmit thoughts, but I don't know. How big a step is it? I don't know. <clears throat> but, yeah, so I, I sent you pictures of a few ships, uh, things that I caught, just a handful of things. They're by far the daylight sightings are never as weird as the nighttime sightings. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I know the nighttime ones are just like, are they going to land? Are they going to pop up on the side of the yeah. house? What's going to happen? Yeah. Probably raises yeah. a lot of uh, questions, anxiety, and fear. That's what Absolutely. I was doing. Absolutely. In, in the nineties, I used to go try to chase them, try to follow them, you know, in my fearless Fox Mulder mindset. Uh, I catch these guys and talk to them and prove they're real. Now yeah, that never happened. And there were no camera phones back in those days either. So even when I saw really cool stuff, there were no pictures. <laughs> I was a poor college kid. I didn't even have a camera. You know, I can only imagine all <coughs> the interesting and crazy and scary things uh, a lot of people have encountered and not had a camera to prove it. Mm, yeah or if you take a picture is it even going to show up you know right. when you're when you're ghost hunting um sometimes you take pictures and you see things that weren't there like the man in the stairwell that i sent you uh you know he was floating up the stairs in that photograph but we couldn't see him with our eyes uh, and then you could only see the upper torso which uh, a lot of people say you know, when they catch an apparition, it, apparition, it's upper or lower torso only. Very rarely full body. Um, but most of the time, you know, you catch plasma rods flying around and doing acrobatics. Um, audio that you don't necessarily hear with your ears. Or you get touched or hit or scratched. Um, or choked like some of the nasty spirits will sometimes do, or you'll have an olfactory uh, episode where you smell something. There is a, <clears throat> there's a ghost at the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum called Rose, and she was a lifelong patient at the asylum. And uh, when you go by the, the wing where she lived, her floor, her room, you often smell her, her perfume. And it's not always there, but often her perfume is. And I, I caught a glimpse of her one evening. Um, and she seemed very pleasant. Mm -hmm. Didn't get anything on camera. But she <laughs> seemed very pleasant. You um, know, what was the story you told me about uh, the other day? And it was the light shining oh, down the hallway. Uh, right. Yeah. 
that that's absolutely one of the most fun things um <clears throat> so there were i can't remember i think there were only three of us there that night um and a couple of girls had had a bad experience one of them got scratched right down the middle of her back bless her heart just, just three ugly scratches down your oh, back that's terrible yeah and it really really scared her we were trying to to calm her and soothe her <clears throat> and while we were doing that we were sitting on the fourth floor which used to be living quarters um and my friend earl who uh you got to have on sometime because you want to talk paranormal. He's your man. Okay. But we've been we've been partners in crime and the paranormal uh, since we got to be friends in college. He goes down the hall and off to the next wing. I hear the door open. I hear the door shut. We're sitting in the dark talking to these girls when all of a sudden a disembodied voice starts singing a lullaby. Well, we were just, you know, out of our out of our minds, happy, and not a one of us had a recorder on. Sorry, sorry, you hear one of my dogs there. Oh, that's all right. Not one of us had anything recording because we were trying to make the girls feel safe and feel better, you know. Well, right after the singing stopped, Earl bursts back into our hallway. And you guys, you guys, you've got to come down here. Hurry, hurry. You've got to see this. Hurry. So, oh, there's a deer in the yard. Uh-oh. And my other dog just went after it. Sorry. <clears throat> so we run down the hall. We go back there. and We've got our lights on. And there's absolutely nothing going on. And he is beside himself, which never happens to him. He's cool as a cucumber. And all paranormal situations. Uh, he grew up in a haunted house. You know, he, he's lived through things, unbelievable things. Well, <clears throat> he begins to describe what happened. He said, I, I came in here as quietly as I could, and I saw a green light at the end of the hall, and I thought, well, there's another team down there. I don't want to disturb them. So he turned off his light, and he tried to be quiet, while they did what they did. He could hear voices. He could really quite make out what they were saying. Well, after observing them for a little bit, he clearly heard one of them say, there's something at the other end of the hall watching us, and the green light winked out. <laughs> well, at that moment, he didn't want them to think, you know, that it was something he thought, oh, I'm screwing up their investigation. He turned his light on, and there was nothing there. No one there. The whole time, it was ghosts or spirits or something else at the other end of the hall where the green light was. And, of course, because he thought it was people, again, he didn't try to record. He didn't take a picture. <laughs> All we have from that experience on the fourth floor are memories. <laughs> wow. What a memory so, yeah. to have. <laughs> well, at least it was a good one. You know, it wasn't a black mass crawling at you or, or you know, an oil slick walking toward you. Um, and they do that sometimes. They'll run around you. They'll run between your legs. Uh, 
it's kind of creepy. Not scary, but creepy. Yeah. Well, I, think, I take that back. When they crawl toward you, that's a little scary. That's Absolutely. a little horror movie. Yeah. And you've had but, a ghost crawl towards you like that? Well, well, the situation with that one, though, because we knew the story, it wasn't scary. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that particular entity was a very simple-minded human. And his roommates murdered him. But he, uh, he often, because he was very childlike, he often crawled on all fours. So, you know, it wasn't malicious or malevolent. He, he was just childlike. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's creepy to see. <laughs> you, you see a black thing crawl toward you. Uh, <laughs> every, everything in you says that ain't right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely creepy. Yeah. Yeah, having icy cold hands touch you, uh, back of your neck, pull your ear. If you sit on a gravestone, they might pinch your butt. I can promise you that. <laughs> and and is that what happened at the cemetery where all of the orbs uh, were on that picture? Not in that picture, but a very similar sort of old cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I lost so much when my computer died because I didn't have it backed up. Yeah. Oh, I will never do that again. Um, but the other cemetery was, was one where he had a funny incident where, uh, one of our team, Dave, he, he had this laser pen that made a laser grid. And sometimes when you throw up the laser grid, they will walk through it or kind of play with it because it's, I don't know, just depends on the entity. Mm-hmm. Well, he dropped it in the graveyard and it's pitch black dark. And, uh, he was walking around. He couldn't find it anywhere. We had no idea where he even dropped it. And on the audio, we all had our recorders going the whole time. On the audio, you hear a really deep voice say, shit, he'll never find it. That's so oh, hilarious. <clears throat> yeah, somebody wanted to play and he lost it. Yeah. He definitely will never find it. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, um, and if I could share another fun one. Uh, sure. This was in an old coal mine, um, a safe coal mine. It, it's. Um, have you ever been in a coal mine? You're in the Midwest, right? I'm in the Midwest. Uh, I haven't been inside of a coal mine. Yeah, I don't recommend it. Uh, the there are a couple in this area that have become museums, exhibition mines. You know, they still, they're still, you know, go through safety and everything, check them out and ventilate them and keep them safe. But uh, honestly, when you're underground, there's never a hundred percent safety factor. But in an exhibition coal mine, uh, we had permission to go in and uh, there was an area where uh, children used to work because, you know, a hundred years ago, children as young as seven were often put to work in the coal mines along with their, uh, their fathers and grandfathers and other family members to try to make enough money to, to live. They were ugly days, 
but uh, in this area was where kids would separate and break slate. And so <clears throat> in there having a flashlight session and uh, little, little kids were answering questions like crazy and having fun with the, the lights. Well, uh, a Virginia state trooper was called or the Virginia state police were called because someone had noticed somebody up there and weren't sure we were supposed to be there. And so this trooper comes up to the mine to investigate. And once he realizes that these flashlights are by themselves going off and on and that the ghosts are answering questions, you never saw anybody move so fast. Wow. Big burly state trooper who's probably <laughs> not afraid of anybody on the planet. Gone. <laughs> you could hear his boots hitting the floor on the way out. Oh, I'm sure. I'd be out of there, too. <laughs> oh, but yeah, we, we've done flashlight sessions in old jails and uh, old courtrooms. Um, just investigated all kinds of places. And sometimes uh, there was an investigation I didn't go on. I think I still got audio, though, somewhere. Um, Earl's wife went and something mimicked her voice. And while she was talking, it was saying things over top of her. Um, it was talking, basically, in her voice. It was a little metallic, but it was creepy. Yep, that's very creepy. Yeah. Things like that bother me. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, it's really creepy. That's almost like a doppelganger sort of thing. Yeah. And I honestly, I never trust anything disembodied because I have absolutely no way to know if it's telling me the truth. You know, uh, I can report what something said or what something related, but how do I know this is who it says it is? You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Man, you, you know, you've just given us so many stories <laughs> today on this episode of and shared so much from your life. You have so much going on and it could be because you're an empath and you feel energies. And I just really appreciate you for sharing that with Sleep Snatchers so that we can share it with the world. Well, thank you so much for putting up with me and my long-winded tales. <laughs> no, uh, definitely thank you for drawing out the picture of everything mm. and do keep us in the loop. If anything else happens, feel free to share pictures with us. We'd be more than happy to share it on Instagram or in the Facebook group that we have. Uh, yeah. Well, hopefully ET will land and want to do uh, selfies. <laughs> I'm, I'm really hoping aliens will want to land and take pictures. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I wish they were interested. I really do. I, I truly don't think they are. No. All right, Brian. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, anytime. Um, if you ever want to talk any paranormal or weirdness, you know where to find me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a great night, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>